Today on Time Out Coaching, we have a start of a series of special roundtable podcasts. Our focus today is on Birmingham coaches and coaching, and I have four legends of coaching from the city and the region. Coach Pete Mintoff, Coach Paul Douglas, Coach Clive Allen, and Coach Simon Fisher. I'd like to welcome you all to the Time Out Coaching Podcast. Yeah, what's up, Chief? Thank you. Thank you. So I, I, we've, this is our first time of doing this and, you know, I, I want to really keep going and get everything moving. Um, but first of all, we've got to find out about you, you know, you know, first in a shortish way, um, talk about, you know, how you got involved in the game um, and, and how that, you know, because obviously we've got a couple of, you know, players here and obviously, you know, Pete has been there from the start. So let's just get everyone like talking about firstly, their, you know, how they got involved in the game and where that actually took them as well. So Pete, you can start off with. Okay. So, you know, schools had a house system. And, uh, so I'm going through the, the school. I wasn't particularly athletic halfway through the school. The house captain comes up and says, uh, we're short of somebody for the basketball team. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> What's basketball? And uh, kind of thing. Started from that. But uh, no sooner as the house competition got over that, that you find you're into the school team. And away we go. So that must have been like, uh, you know, 15, 14, 15 years old. Uh, it wasn't right down at 11 and 12 in those days. Basketball wasn't even seen in the school other than for six formers. Uh, so it was school and uh, there was a guy called Phil Holden some of you I don't know that anybody's come across Phil Holden but Phil Holden was a Rochdale man he went over to Preston did some good stuff in Preston I think he's in Scotland if he's still with us he's in Scotland uh, but I haven't spoken to Phil in a long while he started a club of two schools in Rochdale and uh, the Rochdale Cowboys oh no they weren't Rochdale Cowboys they were called Rochdale KCA and uh, my interest kept, went from there we played in the England Central League and I decided that I'd had enough from a small industrial town. I had to go to a city. So what do you know? Uh, that's how I got to Birmingham uh, in something like 1980. Uh, wow. So that's my start. Awesome. Clive, coach. Where, where do I start? I mean, <laughs> one of the things um, when I was in school, I hated being tall. Um, so um, I didn't want to go anywhere near a basketball <laughs> court or anything. So I didn't actually play basketball at all when I was in school. It was um, when I actually left school and I, I hooked up with this guy called um, Mike Landell. And, oh, <laughs> and his Mike was like going, come on, you, you know, um, you got to represent Dudley now. So uh, he, he took me over to, uh, I had to catch like three buses to get over to, um, to Coventry where the old Fiat um Bullistine used to to train um and that's why I actually met um Simon's dad um and we had a tryout and he said to me well you, you're too you're too old for our under 16s and uh don't think you're good enough for, for the major team so I'll come back in a year's time and we'll, we'll see and the year to me when I was 16 was like what so uh, <laughs> I actually stopped playing yeah. basketball um, for like two, three years um, and went out to the nightclubs and all the, <laughs> the rest of stuff. Um, and then started working for, um, back in the day, it was Sports for All, this, uh, this program. And I started to get back into playing football. 
Um, and I was playing in a five-a-side tournament over in, uh, in Aston Villa and got accosted by some guys saying, you should be playing basketball, not bloody football, you know. So uh, I switched, switched sports um, and started to actually, you know, enjoy being tall. Um, and Dave Slade used to run um, the, uh, the Hollyhead where... I'm Douglas. I met Douglas. That was my um, first real team um, that you know started to go, and all they used to say to me, just grab the ball and throw it to them, them little guys. That's all you need to do, and I, I was happy to do that. Um, but I, I got, I got a name. I think it was bloody Paul Douglas that gave me two bloody Teflon. So. Um, so my big thing, you know, when I first started was it was a, the Aliad, um, and it was to do with you know from from playing five side football uh, and, and getting recruited that way. I mean, Clive, just on a serious point there, I know we're like you know it's it's it is a bit you know, a relatively funny story, but on a serious note, I mean, Pete, you may be able to have some impact in, in input into this, but. Surely someone like Clive with his size and stuff should have been into the game, you know, from the ages of 12 or 13, or at least put into some sort of like position where he could have made that decision. I mean, any, any reasons why Clive, you think that that didn't happen or, you know, Pete? Uh, I, I don't, uh, one of the things were is um, back when I was going to school and we had to go to second school, um, we had to do a thing called 11 plus to get into a grammar school. Um, and the grammar school was Clawton at the time, and that that was the school that did basketball. And it was literally, you know, um, probably just a mile down the road from the school that I went to, Ilcrest. And Ilcrest was mainly uh, football, and um, Sir Gilbert Clawton was basketball, but it was a grammar school, and I failed my 11 plus, so I didn't get to go to that school. And that's the school that um, the likes of um, Mike Landell and um, Clive Watson, they all went to that school and it was, they played predominantly basketball there. And I missed out because I wasn't, you know, um, I wasn't, believe it or not, wasn't very outgoing. And so I, I, I hated being tall. So I wasn't really around that kind of sport. And the school I went to, um, there's probably 500 students there, um, pupils there, and there was like three black people there. And I stuck out like a sore thumb and I didn't like that, you know, so I used to like kind of, try and hide and if they said play basketball I'd be seen and I'm like no no but um it is it is I, I look at it now and you know and I'm like thinking because when I went to the states they were they were just like flabbergasted about like going why are you not playing I you know I went to the states playing I think it's like two two years of basketball at the most two three years of basketball and it was like saying if you'd have played basketball at you know a younger age who knows, you could have actually, you know, I had the right size and build for an NBA player. And I'm like going, oh, wow, you know, but um, <laughs> you did. I can only dream. That's my man. point. Crazy. <laughs> I, I think one of, the, one of the things in those days was the schools league were very strong. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. You didn't have to go very far to get a good team of, of athletes. Uh, there were thick, you know, plenty of them around. So uh, you, I don't you, know. didn't, you didn't go looking for people. Uh, that they, they came to you almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, it was just that the, the school that I went to was very. It was the problem. As I say, it was predominantly 
um, white school and it was a predominantly like kind of football or rugby kind of thing. So we played basketball when it was raining and, and it wasn't basketball of any kind of ilk. It was just like yeah. throw the ball and who can we hit upside the head with the ball? That was it. <laughs> Dougie, what's... Um, mine, mine was weird, man. Um, I was like a, a, a fat, stompy kid. Right, and then, um, I, I still have, yeah, yeah. I ain't been able to shake that man. And um, I went to, um, I went to Jamaica. I think the, I think it was seventy six or seventy seven. And while I was out there, I was out there for. It seemed to me, it seemed like I was in eternity. I think I was out there for about two weeks or so, but it seemed like it was forever. And I kind of outgrew all my clothes. I, I sprouted up when I was out there, and um, I came back and I ended up being like, like lost a little bit, wet, a bit slim, and I. I went to a school called Jaffray, which is, is no longer, it's a housing estate now. And, um, and I was maybe about an inch, inch and a half shorter than what I am now. So as I walked in as a year seven, um, the teacher called Mr. Bundock, I can't remember what his, his first name is, but Mr. Bundock walks in, sees me, and he goes, playing basketball. And that, that was it, right, is he playing basketball? And I remember we, we had a meeting in the classroom, and he's got all these, all these guys in, and he goes, um, we don't do basketball here for the season. We do basketball all year round, right? So I'm like, what's basketball? But I had no, no idea. He never really saw it, anything like that. And he used to get, I remember my dad calling me in, right? And the, the globe trotters are on. And he goes, uh, oh, there's this basketball globe trotters come watch him. Because that for him, it was entertainment. It was not more than entertainment. So anyway, I'm, I, I, we end up going to, to Jaffa. We played a little bit. And I was, I was shocking. But I was more of an athlete because I, I remember um, my first race for 100 metres I ran um, 13 seconds as a year seven and my last race as a year seven was 11.9 so I could I could have either gone into athletics or, or basketball I was a good jumper as well I think it was at, um, when I was like a year nine I was jumping nearly two metres for for high jump as well so I had a, had a choice between the two um, and then I think what happened is Mr. Bundock says that we were too good for the year eight league. So he made us play in the year nine. He made us play up. And we did quite well in that. And then uh, I remember he took us over to Coventry and we saw a team Fiat game. Uh, if, if I remember correctly, right, it was just smoky, right? It was on a Wednesday. It was crazy. I looked down at the atmosphere and I was like, yes. And I and up on the about you know if you've been to Coventry you know up on the balcony right looking for it and I look and I was like I want to be a basketball player that that's it that's, that's what I want to do I want to do that I had no idea about what um what the standard was whatever it is I just know I, I wanted to do that right and um, and then I can't even remember how it happened someone mentioned that there's it might be Mr Bundock as well he he turns around and goes um, there's a, there's a session on a, I think it's a Friday over at this place called the BAI. And um, I used to be there's the, with me, I think it was Dave Brown. I don't know if Mike Landell and them guys came down, but we used to all converge down at the BAI on a Friday. And I remember now uh, Pete used to take it. And Pete, I remember talking about this the other day, Pete. And uh, Pete used to teach all these moves, right? And um, he, he, I don't know how long it is. We'd, we'd like do these moves for about half an hour and then we'd play games for half an hour, right? And Pete would go, whoever done this move in the game would get a poster. And you got everybody coming down doing jump stops, shot flakes and step throughs, trying to win this poster because you couldn't get anything with basketball at the time, anything like that. 
So that was, you know, we used to really enjoy that. that. That was fun. And you kind of got opened up a little bit more from there. And um, I mean, you couldn't do it now. But I used to have guys used to come to the school at the school gates and go, um, is, is Doggy there? Right. And they'd be like, yeah, that, that's him. You can't miss him. Like, he's the tallest guy for like three years. And you, you walk in, you walk out of school and he'd be like, uh, will you play? Will you come and play for us? And I'd say, well, you, you have to go ask me dad. Right. So again, I mean, Dave Slade came across, I think it was the, and I took him over to my house, spoke to my dad, and my dad goes, you pick him up from the house, you drop him off at the house, and if you do that, it's yours. Dave, went, Dave was the only one who said, yeah, he goes, right, that's it. So we'd go over to, um, this was at 14. So we'd go over to, um, to, um, to Hollyhead up in Handsworth, and we, we trained there, and then I started seeing all like the likes of Clive Watson and Kevin Penny, I'm like, these are men, man. These are these are dudes. How many kids they got? You know, you know what I mean? Like they're absolutely massive. And then um, at that time, I think it was it was me, Mike Landell, um, Dave Brown, um, Tony Penny, God rest his soul. I can't remember. There's a couple of them. We kind of all came at the same time. And then um, and then from then, I, I remember we we just kind of got caught up. I, don't, I can't remember how. I ended up with, um, you know, going to uh, one of like Simon's dad's Dave Fisher his sessions, but I ended up being going to one of them, and uh, they didn't have a uh, under seventeen team at the time. I don't think it was under seventeen league. There was only the under nineteens, and there was that. And then they formed like an under seventeen, like kind of like half, um, like national league thing. It was just like the, the northern side, whatever. And uh, we kind of played in that a little bit. And then you met like, um, uh, oh God, was it now? All the Manchester guys, all the Manchester guys are like, like Carl Miller and them guys. Like, who, who are these guys? Who, these guys are massive. And, um, and yeah, funny enough, right, I ended Carl, up playing. Carl Miller, was, Carl Miller was a Birmingham boy. Well, I heard he was born in Birmingham, but he was actually playing in Manchester. He was from Manchester. Uh, right. So, right. yeah, from that right. So that's when they came down. So when you saw so all those guys. Right. But funny enough, right, I'd, um, and I was lucky enough, I made the England the 15 squads. Um, and then I was actually playing for England under 17s and couldn't make the National League team. It was that strong because you had like George Branch and all those guys in front of you. There's no way he was making that team, right? So I think I only played about one year in National League. Um, and then I ended up playing for Pete and again in that Central that Central League, isn't it, Pete? Mm-hmm. Ended up, end up playing in, in that league um, a year after I rookied my, my first year at Birmingham Bullets came out and you know, my rookie, I think, was just turned 19. Because them days, it was like, if you if you weren't under that age before the 31st of Jan- 31st of December, you missed the year. Mm. So even like, if, if I take example, me and Mike Landell, all guys are in the same year at school. But because Mike's born 66 and I was born 65, Mike had an extra year and I had to leave. So I ended up being, you know, I made the, the Bullets... Um, uh, senior squad right for that time and and then a year after I, I was um I was I was cut and I played with Pete in in the central league um kind of did all right and um a little, little bit after that right I got asked um uh, chicken says um they're looking for a player up in um up in Newcastle someone who could score and uh, I think I just had a game I think it was against Loughborough and I, I scored something like 40 or 50 and I know you know you know you know City boys are like yeah yeah I can score yeah, yeah no problem <laughs> so that's why I ended up going up to Newcastle because because the chicken chicken gave me a phone call and 
I went back to my mum and says, um, I'm going to I'm going to Newcastle to play basketball. She goes, where's that? I says, I have no idea. I've got to go to New Street <laughs> Station and catch a train. And then some guy's going to pick me up at the other end. I had no idea it was like, so that's what it was. But I, I actually made a choice at about 14 to not do athletics and go into basketball. We had a, a uh, I, I was doing sprints and jumps and um, we did a bounding session in the pouring rain. I mean, it was literally cats and dogs. And I came away from that run. I said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with athletics. I, I'm, that's where I'm going to take up basketball. So I used to guess the, yeah. We definitely yeah, I used, know. <laughs> yeah, I used to guess the couple of times. I used to turn up with my England tracksuit, right? Go and, you know, come like third in the high jump or second in the high jump, long jump, triple jump, like in the county sort of thing. And they would all go, are you coming to athletics? I go, no, I'm going to play basketball. See you later, mate. And I'm done. That was it. That was that was it. So, yeah, yeah, that, that was my introduction to it. Good. Simon? Yeah, well, firstly, Dougie, I'm sure Mike will be thankful that you've uh, given away his date of birth. I think he'll love that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, you know, unlike the other three, I guess I was probably born into it, I suppose, in many ways. I think, you know, um, 46 now, so I think I was probably at a game when I was minus, minus you know, six months, so to speak. I think I was um, sort of born into the game and, and grew up following my dad and I guess... Generally, wherever the wherever a ball was bouncing and my dad was there, then I'd be there either uh, watching with my mom um, and just being being around the sport. So I suppose you know anything from helping with the tuck shot when I was really young to you know bringing the balls on court and and so on and so forth. So I think I, there was no, no, I suppose in many ways didn't have a choice, but uh, you know, I think it's worked out okay in that sense. I mean, in terms of playing myself, I think you just you know I grew up with the game and sort of cricket and basketball were the two sports I played to any reasonable level. I played other sports like tennis and so on, but, you know, my dad was involved in the club and therefore I wanted to be part of the club. So I guess, you know, I'm very much a second generation in that sense. There was no, um, you know, basketball, you know, those that knew my dad and, and about then he would be, um, <laughs> you know, it was no choice. It was basketball or nothing. I think my brother escaped that a little bit, but I was caught with a bug. Hey, Simon, right, I remember, yeah. right, being, um, his dad used to do all these drills. I remember the defensive drills and Simon was <laughs> doing, all, doing all the drills with him, right? And I, I, remember, I was with, remember I was with the, um, the under-16s and uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think I was telling one of the kids, I said, you, you don't understand, right, that I used to bounce Simon on my knee to away games <laughs> in the mini-force. <laughs> <laughs> It was always like it was always like tiny white, but loud man. Yeah, I remember them days my career. My career was uh, yeah, yeah, you know, on, on that yeah, when I was when I was coaching England, the the last year I was coaching, I had Luke Nelson and uh, Sam Round as part of that team, and um, Steve Nelson, obviously, you know, legend himself. But he was saying back in the day that my dad coached both Steve and uh, Sam's dad, Mike Round, who were both from Samwell, fantastic players. I think I think they went to Holland with him or something like those. But certainly played for him for a tournament. So there we are, sort of, I don't know, 20 years on and I'm, you know, coaching, coaching their son. So I guess, um, and I do think it makes a difference, you know, those sort of second generation players. But yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think I had a choice, Dougie. It was, um, if I didn't want to get in basketball, I was going to be in basketball in some way, shape or form. So, um, mm-hmm. you know. Awesome. Pete, can you, um, I mean, being the, the, the senior of the senior coaches here, um, oh. can you talk very quickly about first your first coaching stop and then give us a little kind of history about how, you know, some of this stuff, you know, kind of manifested itself in, in Birmingham itself. How long have you got? 
Um, yeah, a, we could do a podcast I, on you. I, I want to go back to the school where I was in the house team. Uh, sure. Before I left school, I'd done two years of coaching. Uh, so in lower six, uh, you might have heard of Bob Wilson, but yeah. Bob was in the same school and we were just great friends. It was his initiative to uh, to go coach the, the first year kids. And so uh, we started coaching that, that group together. And I think the three actually got to England level out of, the, out of that first lot, certainly two. It was two or three kids got to play for England schools uh, out of that first lot that we started coaching as green, you know, uh, uh, 16 year olds. Um, so that was fun. Uh, the year after I took the next year going, uh, Bob continued with that particular group. Um, and sure enough, the, one of those got to, to England level as well. I've got to say that I did leave school after that and the kid uh, blossomed probably more when I was uh, away from him, but he, he did. And so uh, the next thing that happens is I do my training, get a physical education qualification and go back to uh, the same school. So uh, picking the proverbial or what, I uh, just love that. Uh, we had a ready-made team. One, one of these first year kids from Bob's first group uh, was captain of the England schools team that, that first year. Uh, yeah, second year maybe, some, something like that, around uh, 69, 70. And uh, I don't know, I, I just had a charmed existence of opportunities creeping up. Um, so I was on the England school staff, the next thing I know, and the only reason for doing that is there was kind of a, a political dispute somewhere and the only way of resolving it was to bring somebody new in and uh, because of the, old, the old timers were arguing about it and what have you, didn't get their own way. And an opportunity arose and the next thing I know, I'm blooming assistant coach to the Blooming National Team. So I, I really had a charmed existence from that point of view. But having said that, I had friends at school that said, what are you doing all this coaching for? You should be playing, get on with playing. You know, you could plenty of time for coaching later on, but sorry the bug was there and uh so so before we left school bob and myself went on a course with two england internationals a fellow called colonel tober and wilf byrne were, were old-time england players and they did a course and it was like a, a level one course that's all uh down at alsager college and we, we did that before we were 18 kind of thing nice. so uh i don't know it, the, the start to it was was how did you get to Birmingham then? Because there's, and I might not mistaken, there, there's a John Collins link in here somewhere. No, 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 not John. Kerry Mumford. Kerry Mumford. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kerry. Yeah, yeah, Kerry. So, so I'd uh, we had two national coaches, Brian Coleman and Kerry Mumford. Uh, for whatever reasons, I got on with them both very well, and uh, Kerry was principal of the Birmingham Athletic Institute and uh, created a couple of posts in sports. Uh, it wasn't always gonna be basketball. There was a range of sports. It could have been ho hockey, I think was one. Uh, there was a dance uh, lady that, that actually did get a job there. Uh, but I came through on that and got a responsibility for basketball. So uh, that's all I ever wanted. Um, so working under Kerry, uh, the next thing that happens is Team Fiat come into Birmingham and uh, announced that they're not going to run a junior team. Uh, they just lost a sponsor, which is uh, regrettable. So uh, they had to cut the junior program. Well, hang on now, we're not having a 
no junior program in Birmingham. We're going to have to run it from the BAI, which we did. And uh, and Dave Fish was the answered the call, and he, in fact he, he he was instrumental in bringing that together. So it was Dave's work, and uh, we managed to find a sponsor uh, that covered a lot of the expenses, and and that wonderful team. Uh, I think there are probably about six internationals in that team that Dave coached. Um, so Dougie's mentioned a few already, uh, but there was there was Chris Grimley, there's Richard. Mm. There, there mm. were other people that uh, that came into that. Um, it, it was a wonderful bunch of young men. Kenny, yeah, that team, Kenny, that Kenny team was stacked. Charged, stacked yeah. So Ken, Ken, it Kenny was Scott, a team yeah. and a half. Yeah. The, the, the saddest thing about all of that is that we could never keep them all in Birmingham. You know, Kevin Penny went up to play in Manchester. Uh, Dougie had to go up to Birmingham in the, no the northeast on missionary work up there. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was sad, but at one stage you could look to almost any team and yeah. find a Birmingham player playing for them. Uh, all, all, uh, all very sad that we couldn't keep them together. Before I move on to Clive, um, Pete, where at this time, where were yourself and Dave were, where were you upscaling your coaching? like you know philosophy were you were you looking at some american coaches were you you know was there any you know kind of ability to you know when you when you went abroad maybe to take a team to see to to to, to network there or where what we what were you doing to to get better as a coach or was you were, both of you were just close to each other and were, were general were pushing each other i think we had much other we're, we're funny enough Dave and myself had uh, the same job. We were, do we were both working for the local authority running uh, leisure centres. Uh, we are both uh, senior coaches for the association. We'd, we just had so much in common. It wasn't funny. We, we, we actually worked about two miles apart or something like that. It's ridiculous that uh, I, I'm, we're on that same path. So when the BAI team there, I actually administered that team and wasn't coaching it at all because the opportunity came over at Sandwell to coach there. And so I, I kind of earned my stripes coaching in Division Two. Um, I, I was always anxious to be learning things. So uh, a variety of people, uh, one Belgian coach comes to mind, a fellow called Rene Moll, who was like a feeble level coach. And uh, so I'd bumped, to him, bumped into him on taking the school's teams over, over the water. Uh, eventually brought him over here and he was a terrific influence on a lot of coaches in the West Midlands because uh, he, he was the leading light. Uh, so he um, was... Pete, Pete, did he did he do a coaching did he do a coaching camp over here? Yeah, I... Uh, I, remember, I, remember, I, I remember being there. Right. No, Tarmac yeah. School of Sport that, that we ran here yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Birmingham and Rene came across and, uh, and led that. Uh, so... We were picking up information from wherever, you know. Uh, you had to go look for it in those days. I don't mm -hmm. know, Tony. I, th I think I probably stole most of my ideas from you, if the truth's known. But no, uh, come on, now. That's, that's, yeah, that's, no, no. That's it, 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 there's, <laughs> there's stuff in my in my locker that comes out of yours for sure. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, uh, you know, I, you picked up stuff wherever you wherever you could. Yeah. Okay, Cly uh, Clive. Clive, just you know, I mean, you could talk. I would love for you to talk a little bit about. You know the back. You know your career. I mean, you, you were 
you, you, in, in that bullet in those bullets teams, you were coached by some incredible coaches. So I'm only assuming that that you know was some of the things that you you picked up of as you know as a as a as younger coach. But talk about a little bit about that, and then how you got involved in in coaching and and started progressing from there. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I look back at, at all the good coaches. All I mean, probably people don't remember um, Art Ross when he came over and he was like, kind of, um, I never saw a coach who could just write up a play in five seconds and get people to actually do it. You know, I'm, I, I'm one of them people that I have to <laughs> but, do. But you, were, but you were coached by a guy that's won an NBA championship and he's just, uh, we'll, we'll clip that one out, Clive. <laughs> but um, that's when I first started and um, I never saw anyone just like kind of write down a play and actually get people to do it, you know, because I, um, you know, to perform it out there. Because I, I was terrible. I had to actually work on a drill. If you draw it out in front of me, it's like it makes no sense to me. I just is okay. What do I do on this? Just tell me what I do and all. But I couldn't understand what the point guard was doing. But when Art Ross put things down, everybody just like it, it just clicked. But we had the likes of um, Butch Hayes on there, so that probably helped a lot. But um, I, I mean, I started, um, it had a lot to do with Pete Mintoff, to tell you the truth, because um, when I was playing, we, we had to go out and start coaching in the schools. So we had to go and do our levels. Um, and I started doing um, my level one, and then and Pete was my uh, the tutor at the time. And he says, you've got something, I don't know what it is, but you got something and you should, you know, um, continue playing, but I, I think you should um, also look at uh, coaching. Um, and I used to remember going over at, uh, what was the name of that school over in, um, that you, Summit Green? Um, Lee Green? No, no, was it Green? It, it's up by Edenton. That, uh, Stop, that Stop and Green. Stop Stop and green. green. <laughs> there you go. And I did My it. neck of the woods. Yeah, we did quite, quite a lot of uh, um, my levels there, you know, and, and it was, it, it was, you know, <laughs> not just because he's here, but Pete really needs to push and say, look, look Clive, you, you know, you have got something. And I, and I really enjoyed um, the, the scene that the smile on kids' faces and it, and it made me, made me want to, you know, like, I wanted to make basketball fun because um, I really enjoyed, you know, being around people. And I'm like thinking if someone it got around me at that age, you know, that, that, you know, influenced me into playing the game. So that's why, you know, um, I really kind of pushed, you know, going through those levels and, and, and trying to get my, my, you know, enjoy playing and coaching at the same time. But Clive, you were, you know, the, I mean, I mean, we, we joke about it, but I mean, though, in those days, Nick was, Nick was pretty hard. I'm assuming as a coach, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I know one of his famous, famous lines is, is, you know, toes to the line, um, mm -hmm. on, on mm -hmm. the baseline and stuff. And I know, you know, he was pretty hard. My, do, do you coach by Mike Finger? I'm assuming as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I could go, you know, show my age. I could go through so many different coaches and Nick, Nick would probably be um, one of my favorite coaches because he made basketball fun. He made it easy. He made everyone just got on. It was just like he was one of he could be one of the players when he wanted to be one of the players, but he also could be that coach as well. And and that's you know I take a lot of you know a lot of that from 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 him because we used to like being around that coach 
where the other coach, as soon as, uh, you know, as soon as we finish training, what have you, I'm like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hang around or be around that coach. But Nick, you know, he's like, guys, we just finished. Let's go get a pizza. Let's do this. And it wasn't like, oh, we had to do it. We wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and his drills are so innovative that, you know, I could actually, again, you know, I mentioned the fact that Art Ross was doing all these these marvelous things, uh, you know, on the on the board. But Nick got, you know, the way he broke things down, you know, part oh, and 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 fitting it all together, it was just, it was just, you know, it was just so easy to do, and it was just, it was, the, the, you know, I can say the the most fun that I've had playing basketball um, because I was learning. Um, I enjoyed practice, which, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of people, you know, even though, you know, running suicides are fun, he made it different. He did different things. You know, it's like, he'd he, he, he say, Let, let's, um, he'd shoot with us. And he go, he'd go on the halfway line. He goes, I'm going to shoot this ball. If, if we, uh, if I make this, um, you all have to say half an hour after, you know, and he made it every freaking time. You know, he didn't be like, there's no way you're going to make this off. And he just throw it up there, and, you know, and it'd it, it go in. But we wanted to stay off an hour anyway. So it wasn't sure. like, oh, well, you know, but we was like, oh, well, let's go. Let's get after it. And um, having the likes of, you know, Tony Dorsey and um, Nigel Lloyd. And I mean, when Nigel Lloyd came to the team, I thought it's time to retire. Um, I played against him at 10th Valley and all he did was talk. Remember um um Tony Bo um Tony um uh his Holly. name Tony Holly. Um Bel- Bel- no no Tony but yeah Belogan Belogan yeah he was playing with him and I went to Duncan and he tried to block my shot and I broke his nose and it was it was all he was you know I just went up there strong and I broke his nose but of course him him, him and Nigel were best of friends so he went off the court I'm still playing I'm running back and suddenly I got a thump in the back of my in the back of my head it was nice he goes, yeah, that's a Tony I'm like that <laughs> <laughs> you know, my going, this guy's coming to Birmingham Bullets now, and he was the captain. And for the first season, we never spoke at all. We worked on the basketball court, but we never, we never spoke or anything. Um, and it was the following year that I um, that I got enough money, and we went to uh, to, to um, a holiday in the, Bar- the Barbados. And guess who was there? Nigel Lloyd. <laughs> and, and he came over to our hotel and he's like, I'm like going, I'm not really spoken to this guy. He's like going, glad to see you here, whatever. <laughs> the next couple of days, I've got a car. Um, I'll take you all around the place. And he, he left his car with us. He took us all over the place. I'm like, this guy's different. Yeah. And he, he, he's so different on the court and off the court. And, and we just became really, I mean, he's, you know, we still talk at least once or twice a really week. He'll just call and just, you know, um, but having the likes of those, those players, I mean, you know, I, I'm talking about, you know, um, Nige, um, Tony Dorsey is exactly the same. My, my, my good friend, Tony Sims. I mean, we're, we're just tight as ever. Amico Atete, that group, we were just friends and, you know, another one was um, Trevor Gordon. He's another one that I'm like, I, you know, you can imagine us having battles on, on the, on the basketball court. And then he was coming to our team yeah. um, and uh, people well, don't know. But we, won't, 
We won't talk about the, tre the Trevor Gordon uh, BBL trophy, uh, story. Uh, they, they bought him to the team, but it was actually going to get rid of me. They was going to send, they're trying to sell me to Manchester to bring him in. Um, and I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I didn't have a say in it because obviously um, Trevor Gordon, big Trevor Gordon coming to Birmingham Bullets and uh, I was going to go after Manchester. And I was like thinking, bloody hell, this is not good. But they ended up getting keeping the both of us. And then when Trevor came, we had battles. But again, we were just, you know, we, we hanged out and, and we, it was just so good. Um, so, that, you know, that's, you know, uh, how I felt at, at Burning and Bullets when, when Nick was there. He made it. He just made it fun. And anybody else coming in, when Mike Finger came in, we already had that momentum of, of, of Nick. So we just carried on kind of thing. He did try and change some stuff for the first, I think it was the first month or so, but then he had to go back. He goes, guys, um, I give up. You guys run all the plays that Nick run. And if you want, <laughs> we, all, we all kept saying, well, Nick used to do this. Nick used to do this. <laughs> obviously would piss him off, excuse yeah. the French. But um, he, 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 he did succumb. And um, we all went back to, to the Nick Nurse way of running things and, you know, and that second, you know, um, Playoff win. Simon, before I get to Dougie, um, you know, talk a little bit about obviously, um, you know, uh, your dad, you know, had done so much, you know, co you know, coaching. So, what, what, were, what was your thought process? You know, did did that just was that something that you wanted to emulate? That you wanted to get into coaching from an early age? Um, or was it something, you know, what was that process, you know, and, and did you, did you feel some sort of pressure on, on that situation? You know, and that, you know, we, we talked a little uh, bit about this before. Well, yeah, I, I just got back to a quote about earlier. There is a John Collins link to, to my dad, actually. Uh, I think my dad uh, was one of John's students. I think he was a sixth form and John was a teacher. So the, the, I, don't, I spoke to John recently about it or conversation anyway, but um, so I guess there is a buying osmosis I think to myself with John I guess um my journey into coaching I think I mean I did do a level one with my dad when I was 16 um I think we really wanted the club and and therefore I asked whether I could do it I suppose you know I was never I wasn't a great player I mean I used to play at 16s and 18s and used to sit way down on the bench and watch people like Steve Hansel play and, and probably at the time I used to get a bit you know, why I, can, I don't get any minutes, realistically. Now looking back at it, it's because I wasn't good enough. But I suppose, you know, I thought maybe my dad was being too harsh on me at the time. But, you know, realistically, you know, it was never uh, that good in terms of my ability to spy on the floor. So I suppose my coaching journey, though, started after, you know, my dad passed away um, suddenly, which I'm sure the guys, you know, remember and so on. But I went to university at Stowe, uh, Staffs University. And... Um, I was going to play National League, um, club junior basketball, but the age groups changed. So effectively, I was too old to play. Um, and an old friend, coaching friend of my dad said, you know, well, if you want to come, you can start coaching. And yeah, you know, maybe there was a pressure. I mean, I've always said I wanted to keep the family name going, I suppose, keep the tradition going. And I just, uh, I've been like Clive, so really, I, just, I fell in love with coaching kids and, seeing them progress, seeing them develop. And, um, you know, I used to go down and, you know, my university mates now, you used to remember we'd get up on a Saturday morning, you know, we'd go out Friday night and enjoy ourselves. And I'll be up Saturday morning, half eight to go down Northwood Stadium in Stoke and coach these kids and 
what are you doing? You're nuts, Simon. But it, you know, it was a drug, I suppose. It was something I was, I loved. I saw my dad doing, and I guess it was relatively fresh that he'd passed away. And, you know, I suppose it was my inspiration to, to continue the, to that name. And, you know, here I am sort of 25 years on, I guess, from that 26, and I'm, I'm still coaching. So I think there's, I think at the start, I still think there is now in terms of, um, you know, trying to, you know, keep that name going. But I think, you know, over time that's progressed into, you know, the enjoyment and and, and just, you know, it, it is a drug, you know, it's um, basketball was in my blood and I guess that's the, that, that was the driving force really. And, you know, coaching Stoke, coaching um, at that club and then getting involved, you know, one of the, I suppose, greatest honours was going back and actually coaching at Birmingham. I mean, a couple of years after that, I was coaching Birmingham and there I was sort of coaching the club that my dad, you know, helped, helped, grow and found and grow and yeah that type of thing so um i've been very fortunate you know obviously my dad was the neighbors meant that you know maybe doors have been open and so on so i suppose it's then trying to utilize that to your best of your ability i suppose but yeah just you know it was you know my first coaching appointment was at you know, stoke basketball club up in uh, stoke on trent so yeah, I, I don't think that's the case. I think that all of us here, um, I mean, we've all, I think, I don't think there's any British coach that has this kind of perfect path that we just go along. I think that we all as coaches, you know, try to, you know, have, I mean, like Pete has said himself, it's just a stroke of luck. I mean, I could tell you yeah. 15, 15 strokes of luck that I had along the way uh, of being involved with different people that, you know, you just, you shrug your shoulders. I mean, it just doesn't happen like it does in, yeah. in so many other countries, but uh, I'm going to come back to you, Simon, on um, some of the other influences because you've, you've done a lot of national team stuff as well, which is really interesting. Doug, Dougie, quick, quickly, because, the thing about you is that you've also, like Clive, uh, as, has, have, as a player, experienced many unique coaches. Um, and but you also, you know, you 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 came into the, you know, into coaching in in a in a unique way as well. So let's talk talk about that situation. Yeah, um, I mean, when I I hadn't really even contemplated coaching in any shape or form because I ended up um, being doing engineering. At college and um, I mean that's a that's a story in, in, in its own right but I, I won't go into that um, and then I, I only got to Newcastle and um, I wanted to continue the uh, I would say Newcastle because at the time it was actually Gateshead but if you mentioned Gateshead to most people they'd say where's that you mentioned Newcastle it goes oh, oh yeah yeah I know where, I know where Newcastle is so um, I'm not trying to go to, to um, renew the, uh, the the course I was on engineering course um, at, at Gateshead College as it is now. And um, the club wouldn't pay for it. So I was like, nah, nah, stuff it, they ain't doing it then. And then uh, and as part of the, the, the coaching, the, the deal with playing is we had to go coach in the schools. So um, I, I did a, a lot of coaching in schools practically from the age of 20. So, um, and, then, and then I did other stuff as well. Um, I did uh, ladies keep fit, men's keep fit, kids fitness. I, I'm actually a qualified aerobics instructor or all the rest of that sort of stuff like that. I mean, people, people will probably testify to this, that when you work for the council in sports development, you went on a lot of courses. So I kind of was who, doing who that took, as well. Who took your level one and level two? Oh, gosh. Oh, what's his name? It used to be um, 
the team manager for the England senior men's or is the GB squad. I forget what his name is now. Tall dude. He was up in Newcastle at the time. I can't remember. I'm terrible with names when it comes to that. Um, Graham, but, Graham, somebody or other. Graham, come on. I know you mean anyway. You know what I mean? It was that, yeah, okay. that's all. I, 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 took, I hadn't done it through him. Um, but funny enough, right, my... Uh, it wasn't long after that. I, I can tell you now the year it was 1984. It was the final year um, of me playing Division One before I moved back up to, to the BBL. And um, the owner of the t- the owner of Gateshead um, came to me one day and he goes, um, "Dog, you need to um, coach the team." Um, and I was like, "Coach, I ain't coaching the team." He goes, "Dog, you need to coach the team. If you don't coach the team, I'm folding it tomorrow." So I was like, "Right." So I actually was a player coach at 24, right in um, Division One. In like 1984, 1985, no, no, 1989, 1990 season, because it was the year I, I got married and I went up to Sunderland the, the following year after that. So I, I got involved in that. That was a real eye opener for me, right, in regards to um, actually being charged. Because I mean, the guys would tell you, man, I was a nutter. Uh, it didn't take much to, to get me off, man. I was like, you look at me the wrong way, I, I'd, I'd flip. So, you know, all the stuff that, um, all, I'll, I'll just want to say this, all the best coaches I've ever had as, as a player growing up has always been my junior coaches, Pete, Dave Fish, uh, Mr. Bundock, right? And I learned so much from players because I was, I was very visual, right? So if you showed me something, I could replay over and over and over in my head. And that's how I used to go and practice. But, so, but know, Dougie, stuff well, like that. Well, talk about some of the, so you're saying that some of the pro coaches, talk to talk about who were your pro coaches? Because did you play under Tom Becker at Sunderland or not? No, no, no. I played, it was uh, Craig Lynch the, the first year. Um, I just um, I just missed Jimmy Brandon um, and Craig Lynch. And then it was, um, oh, what's his name again? Dave um, Elderkin. Elderkin. Dave Elderkin. And then from Dave Elkin, um, we had we had Russell. Just Russell was my coach, right for a year, um, and that was, that's, that's, that was interesting. And um, and then we had um, Tom, uh, Tom. What's his name? Is that Newcastle? First year at Newcastle. Tom Hancock. Tom, Tom Hancock. I mean, me and him never got yeah. on. I can say that now. We never got on at all. Clark's laughing. Clark knows what I'm like. Man. We 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 never got on. Um, because at that time in my career, I mean, I said I didn't want to play past 30. Um, I think it's different for Clive, man, but when you're a guard, man, then kids coming in are quick, right? And I always said, if I have to smack them to slow them down, it's time to get out, right? So that was why I, 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 re- I retired at like 30, 31. But already at that time, I was starting to think about... Um, strategies and, and, and tactics and what we should do and all the rest of that sort of stuff. Cause I was kind of like creating my own like little basketball program as, as a side, a little following that, that I had, not, not quite the PDSD, but a little thing we used to have sessions all the time. So I was heavily involved in doing that as well. So, but Tom um, was, if you gave him time to um, break down like a team's offense and all the rest of that and caught this, oh my Lord. He was oh, to this day now. He he ran um he ran a one three one um, amoeba zone, right? 
And I took that. And it's funny enough, I, I, I'll go off a little bit. I took that and stuff we learned with the national team um, when Humph, God bless his soul, when Humph was around. And we saw the Russian team do a one, two, one, one, half court like press back into a back into a, a proper zone. And I've never seen that. I've seen it in the full court, but I've never seen that in, in that situation. I remember looking at Humph going, what's this? And Humph was looking at me and was trying to break it down. And then what happened is I then took parts of that and the one three one zone that um, Tom used and I amalgamated it together and I came up with my own system, which worked really well when, when I had the, the academy in, um, in Middlesbrough and uh, when I did the first stuff in, in Newcastle. And I kind of tweaked that so it made sense to me and my players bought into it. So, you know, that, that's another thing. Right? But, but yeah, for me, the... Um, the, the the coaching and being around the gate because I, I worked at Gateshead City Council of Sport Development as well so I was around um, Olympic athletes Olympic coaches runners you know as you know Gateshead's real massive on athletics and having an athletic background I was in and around I got to meet people like Linford Christie Ed Moses and I and I'm like being like a player I was always interested to what players had to say and athletes had to say that I just listened to what they had and that's what kind of like shaped what I would do in my, my coaching and again like like Clive when you're coaching and, and the kids mine was like oh you know do this do that do that and hang on maybe I should put that in my game <laughs> I probably make it a little bit easier because I wasn't really taught that so again my, my, my thought process was if I could put all the knowledge I have in my head now into that player at that age how much better would they be as they get older? So that's when I really started to like turn it over. And the things that I, I learned with Pete, with the moves and um, the way that, um, that Fisher used to always say, doggy, sit down, right? And, and, and I, used to, I, I used to give him grief because I used to curse him out. I, I was like, he said to me, I'm like, it's right, he's like, doggy, sit down. And I sit down and I'll be stewing on the end of the bench like, like really mad. And he'd come across and he'd go, are you, are, you, um, are you calm now? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm calm. He goes, no, you're not. And then he can go away. And then he come back and he goes, are you calm yet? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, okay, now I need to do a job because you're no use to us in the state you're in now. So what I learned from Dave was like, you know, just give, you know, there's, there's, there's another chance. There's another chance. There's another chance. Don't worry about it. And I think that's what I, I, I can be harsh sometimes, right? But I try to explain to people like, well, you know, listen, this is what you need to do. Take a little bit of a break, come back in. Because as a, I look at those kids and I reflect on like, well, you were me, right? I was angry with the world and I, I didn't know how to cope with it. And I think Dave was really good at getting all those kids, right, to all be on the same page. And like, we would die for each other, like as, as players. Right? And I think that um, from, from a coaching perspective, you, you, you try to get, that, that all the players to, to, to get into that right. And I had that with all the junior kids, that's for a, sure. That's a great segue I want into the next question. Um, so, you know, Dougie, you're, you're really explaining, you know, some sort of an ethos, and Pete obviously was part of that, some of that ethos along with, with Dave Fisher of, you know, what, what was Berman and basketball there and why you produced so many good players. So, you know, talk about... You know, that's a lot of success in, you know, it's in the junior levels, which manifested itself into, into senior levels. Um, what, you, you know, 
I mean, there were the many, many, many players. You've mentioned most of them. Um, you know, talk about what, why, what was the reason in, uh, in that period of time, Pete, that you think that there was, you know, there was yourself, there was Dave, there's a number of people that were involved. I mean, you know, what, what was it just, you know, the right time at the right place? Interesting, really, to, to look back on it. Uh, there was a phenomenal amount of athletic talent there. Uh, you know, we'd have to come to London to get a game kind of thing. Uh, Manchester were, were, were sweeping up the northwest as, as usual and uh, got a really good team together up there. But there wasn't a right else around the place. Um, and the difficulty was we, the, the players went to other teams purely because simply we couldn't afford to keep them in Birmingham. Uh, the, 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 the rates of pay weren't good enough or, or realizable enough to keep people happy. Mm. Um, even when I was coaching Bullets, uh, you know, the, the salaries were pitiful uh, that the players got. Um, I think the Americans were paid reasonably well, but it, it, it was it was insufficient to to to, to live. You know, it wasn't a living wage that, that players could make uh, from the English. Yet that team was two Americans and local boys. Basically, uh, we brought one or two in. Dave Roper came in. Uh, who else? Uh, Mike Payne came in. You know, reasonably quality players. They played for national level or, or went on to play at national level. So, so, so they were fine, but uh, I don't know. It's um, they, they were just an unusual group of young men that, uh, that that came through, very, very talented. I don't know. Do you think anything different, Clive? What was that? Sorry, just talking about like what you know in respect of like uh, like the the talent that you and you know, Dougie, that kind of generation, you know, was coming through. I mean, you know, you met, you know, really good coaching um, at the same time. I mean, I'm just trying to get and understand. I mean, just for example, I mean, obviously you talked about, I mean, let's be serious. Kenny Scott could have played in the NBA. Am I not? Oh, um, God, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and probably if he's, if he's grows up now, he's in the NBA, I would think. Um, Spencer, did play in the NBA. Now I'm not sure if Spencer how much um, how much he 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 actually came through the system here. Um, you know, mine Henlon. I mean, you know, mine was I mean as good as good as we've ever had as a as a big in this country. So I mean, you know, and then forget about all these other guys, Mike and all the, the rest. You know, Tony, you yourself, Clive, Dougie, everyone. These are great. These are like some of the best players that ever played the game in our country. Um, and they come from this era. I mean, I'm just trying to get a feel of what the coaching was at that time. Um, how did the coaching inspire those players to, to, to get to the stage that they got to? I think, I think a lot of it's to do with, you know, back in the day, as I said, when, when, when I was growing up and trying to, to play basketball and I eventually, you know, went down that road, I had to catch three and four buses to get where I needed to get to. I wanted to play it. Some of these kids in, like you go, okay, you got to go from Dudley to West Brom. They're like, oh, you know. <laughs> know about that. You have two training sessions each week. Whoa, I don't know about. Yeah, and, and I think because we wanted it more, you know, um, and 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 again, I think the coaches now are, are brilliant, but we have to kind of 
cater for them too much, you know, and, and sometimes you have to baby them. And, and, and if they don't like what they see, they'll go somewhere else or they'll do this or, you know, where we like going, okay, I want to play basketball. I, you know, um, the coach that you went to, you respected them, that, you know, you worked hard. And, and, and I think that, that has, a, you know, a lot to do with it because, you know, I've been around a lot of kids and I've seen, you know, I've, I've seen the good ones. I see the ones that really want to do it. And then I see, you know, and you see the ones that just like being around it. And I think that's that's what's happening now. There's a lot of kids that want to be around it, but don't really want to put the work in. If when, when you know, we were playing, if you was around basketball, you wanted to be the best yeah. you could be. You know, we, we, we put that hard slug in. We'd catch the three to four buses to get to where we need to be. Um, where now, you know, I, I know there's, you know, you can look at, and there's different things happening. Kids can't be out late at night and all the rest of the stuff. But I don't know. I don't know. I just think um, we, you, you know, we were that that group of um, people that if we wanted it, we, we'd make sure we'd get to, you know, get what we yeah. wanted. Yeah. And like for me, right, is um, training was war. And I mean war. We, we, had, we had training sessions with Mr. Fisher, right, where it like, training's over. See you Thursday. It, we, we were, we were, we were, I'm not, I'm not joking, Tony. We were going at each other. I mean, we, we all know Mike Landell. You, no one can stop Mike from scoring, right? And we'd be like fighting, like he just scored three baskets on you, man. Now get off. I, I'd go, no, we're getting, as defenders, we're getting ready to fight each other to go mark the guy that's scoring to stop him scoring. You, you know how it's like that. And, and to echo what Clive was saying, I remember during the off season, I can't remember how much it was, um, Dave Harris from Leicester Buck. Right, was all in that group, and there was there was a whole bunch of us used to um, meet at New Street Station, right? Get all I can't remember if it was a train or a bus. Go over to Coventry, yeah, Springer Stringer School, Sydney Stringer School. And yeah. I, I, if there's anybody from Coventry in that time, in that year group, in that time of year, I'm sorry, we came over and we bossed y'all, right? We did our thing, dropped back on the um on the bus and the train, come back over. This is a Sunday, by the way. Go back mm -hmm. over, come back over to Birmingham go to our houses, eat, and then go down to Holt School and Bogart, their youth club, and kick all the kids out and play basketball again. That was our life. And I remember telling this story, Aston Manor was the only place that we knew had an outdoor court, outdoor ring, right? And um, we used to, <laughs> in the summer holidays, we used to jump over the fence, right, and play on the outdoor courts. And the, the guy who was the worst player would make him look like, like keep watch. And if the caretaker came, we'd then leg it and then go back over. So any opportunity we had to play, we played. And we were super, super competitive. And you've got to look in them days like, um, and that's what the culture instilled in us, right? Dave used to say, um, why beaten by 10 when you can beat by 20? Why beat by 20 when you can beat by 30? Why beat from 30? We can beat by 40, just smash them. But do it with class. Handle yourself in the right way. Don't, don't embarrass me sort of thing. Right? And I used to try and instill that with the kids when I was coaching up in Newcastle because it it's, a, it's a different mentality. And I, I came with that, you know, that confident, cocky, um, inner city, or not cocky, uh, um, what's the word I got? Um, confident, ultra-confident. Like, like, no, who are you? Like, no, we're going to come and do you, like, sort of thing. So, it, it, for me, that's what it was about. It was, you couldn't come to training and, if, if training was bad, we like, we're going on. It's a waste of time, going on. It, and, and that was the, 
in the environment that was it was the same at Hollyhead, wasn't it, Clive? You know, like you couldn't go yeah, to yeah, Hollyhead yeah. training. Yeah. Everywhere you went, when it, we was, played, it was we like played, that. We played at Croton. You know, everyone used to go down on a Thursday and it was just the place that everyone went, you know. Um, and it was, you know, we'd be in there one, two o'clock at night, still playing on a week, you know, on a weekday, just because, you know, people wanted it. You know, um, and I just think it's a, you know, I'm not saying that the kids don't want it now, but it's just like kind of, it ain't, you know, just so, uh, you know, and I think it's sometimes just so hard to, to, to coach kids when they, when they, you know, they haven't got that kind of run through a wall for the coach kind of attitude. But. I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, Clive, but very quickly, mm -hmm. Simon, um, quick question. And then I want all of you to answer this. Okay. Um, what do you, why? Uh, you know, that general, it, 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 we're not just comparing, oh, this is the old st the time and stuff like that, but um, you, Dougie just brought up a great point there, okay? As, Dougie's saying, I mean, there might have been Pete was working for the local authority. He's saying there's one outdoor court. I mean, and even that might be a, that's a yeah. stretch, okay? Why do you think that the players of that generation shot the ball better than what the generation is now? Why, why, Simon, do you think? What's, what's the reasoning? Well, I, I, well, I, I, well, I suppose just to come to the last point, right, in the sense, I think for me, and it's probably slightly after, you know, you know, I don't quite remember, you know, that time, but certainly to, I think schools basketball in Birmingham and the Birmingham area um, was just so strong. So I think the, you know, the likes of, I'm sure, Dougie at Jaffray and all that kind of stuff, that those guys were playing just, just week in, week out with their school. And the level of schools basketball, I mean, back in the, let's go to the 90s when I was sort of Simon, don't, 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 you don't need to have to keep going on. <laughs> no, no, I, um, have to, I have no, I'll have to tell you a quick, very quick story and Pete's going to laugh like hell. Pete, Pete contacted me about six weeks ago um, with a with a Pete, with a PowerPoint presentation of me playing at fourteen in the in the national in the national uh, district finals and Birmingham beating my London Borough. As I keep pointing out to Pete, we yeah, were just yeah, yeah. one of the thirty-two London Boroughs in the final. But no, yeah, but I think you know, so it's what a it's what a Birmingham school style back in the day. Yeah, you know, that was a big thing, right? You went, and uh, so I think that. That would make a big thing. And your point about developing some outside shoots, I think, if I'm perfectly honest, unless you were uber-athletic, you weren't getting to the rim. You weren't getting to the rim without, without you know, either getting some contact. So I think some players realise that if I can't get to the rim, I've got to be able to shoot the ball. So I think it, it, in some ways it might be more self-exploration. That's Dougie. I mean, Dougie was one of the, the best shooters, you know, to come out of Birmingham. But he, he's probably thinking... Dougie, yeah, I, I, not, I, got, I got to save my life if I can shoot but, the ball. If but I'm not no going offense, five, it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm ended up on the deck, I think. But no offense to Dougie and to Tony Sims, it's not like their their, their shooting form was absolutely no. Steph no. Curry. Like it wasn't like it wasn't <laughs> but, the purest. They were the gym, were the gym shoe, but, just did the but gym the ball shoe went shoe. in every time, almost. You know, it's like yeah, right. I mean, Mike Landau, I think, I'm not mistaken, P is the classic, was the classic, had classic form, if I'm not, not mistaken. It was, I, I, remember, I, I, I mean, I don't know about Dougie, but I'm guessing, Dougie, you were in the gym. I mean, if you were in the gym 20 hours a week, you're probably in love with that, wouldn't you? You just, you're just shit in the gym yeah. shooting. And a lot of these guys yeah, like, are just, they hone their, they hone their skills. Yeah, like from, I mean, I, I, I tell this story all the time with, um, with, with the kids around the bath. I mean, I'm sure there, there are hundreds of kids who, who could testify, you know, Dougie, any stories, like, but, I mean, I, I 
how I kind of got into the basketball as well. As a year seven, uh, I goes into network and the teacher goes, we're going to make um, a toolbox. We're going to make this, we're going to make that, blah, blah, blah. Figure what you make. And I was like, basketball ring. I have no idea to this day why I said that. I just went a basketball ring. And I made this basketball ring. It was, it was like at that angle. It was, I got a seat, whatever for it. And my dad was not interested at all. He wanted me to be a boxer or cricket. That's all he was interested in. And he allowed me to put the ring up on the wall in our back garden. And I literally did exactly what Mr. Bundock told me. Go outside, underneath, blah, blah, blah. Now, you're talking about shooting form. In my mind, and this is what I always say to the kids, in my mind, I shot the ball like Steph Curry made. I was, my form was perfect. In my mind, right? And then um, Ross Saunders says, you shoot like a, um, like a, um, uh, a squirrel. Now, like, what are you talking about? And I saw, I saw a video, and I, and I put it up. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> right, right, right. But now I think, personally, I think, well, yeah, there's one thing. The people, like, even the juniors were men. They were just like, everybody, look, look at Clive, man. Everybody's looked like Clive, right? You know, guys are, like, two years, a year older than you, and they, they were like this. So if you took it to the basket, you had to take it. I mean, I was lucky I could jump a little bit, right? So even if you tried to go over, they'd look in the eye and say, you're going to have to go through me, right? But the coach would say, I mean, I don't know if you're saying, but I remember your dad's follow through. He used to, his little finger used to kick out like this, right? When he used to shoot the follow he'd be like, yeah, he used to be like that, you got to do this. And you had to shoot so many shots underneath the basket. And we would literally, right, go away and do exactly what the coach said. You had no YouTube. No, maybe a five-minute segment on World of Sport, whatever it is you got on a, on, a, on a Saturday. So you literally did what your coach told you. And we were, and it, obviously then it was very much fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And you learned a lot from the players in front of you. I mean, that was... And every team you played had a shooter. Every team. Every, it doesn't matter if it was local league, national league. There was always one person on the guy that could flat-out shoot it. Pete, just uh, let's let, just change in just slightly. What... Um... Do you feel that, um, of course, we've talked about, you know, some of the biggest influences, you know, so, you know, there's Pete and there's Dave, but do we think, you know, the whole of Birmingham, you know, like you say, in the school system, other junior coaches was very strong at that time, you know, the, the, the coaching, the coaches of that, of that generation, and they were producing, you know, players at school that then eventually went into these systems? I, I don't know that the schools were... were given as the finished product, but they were playing regular competition. Uh, I think Simon raised that point. Uh, mm. That was the case. These kids had experienced the game. So uh, normally the, the winter term was football up till half term and basketball started up till Christmas, basketball after Christmas until half term. And in that time, there was just intense competition uh, and some good work going on in, in schools. Uh, whereas these days you look at schools and yes, they play a bit of basketball, but it, it's not basketball that we know. Uh, it, it's very, very simplified form that they'll play and not that skillful, I've got to say. Um, but still athletes are coming through, but the clubs are having to take up the slack now. You know, uh, the, the, you, you see Clive at work and he, he amazes me. His work rate, uh, when he coaches, he, he's on another planet. Uh, he can't get a word in edgeways, and, uh, and, it, and it's fully. No, you are. You you're amazing, young man. Uh, when when you go for it, so the kids are there and they're being coached, but we're taking them from such a low base of experience uh, that 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 
makes it a long journey. Uh, so I'll ask this question to Clive, but I want all of you to 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 put you know your thoughts into it. Um, did was there like after the so-called say heyday that would have been? I don't know what the cutoff point of that would have been. Um, trying to think player-wise, um, not Tony Sims. It would be after after that. There was still Steve Hansel's generation. I, I should know that because I remember a vivid game at the NIA, um, the National Junior Under 19 Cup Final, where we London Towers Juniors were favoured to win that game by a lot, and we ended up losing. I'm not sure who was coaching that team, um, that Birmingham Bullets team. Um, but I remember that generation was still incredibly talented. That would have been Stephen Barnes, I'm pretty certain. Stephen, yeah, yeah, might, might, Stephen be Brian, no, might be Brian Knowles coaching. Brian Knowles, yeah, exactly. So um, after that and the demise of the Bullets, um, which obviously I did have a, a minor role in. Um, but that, that, yeah. <laughs> You're not to blame for it, though, Tony. Listen, uh, I still maintain people people forget this story um, very clearly. I qualified for the quarter, for the for the last 16 of the FIBA Cup um, by finishing second behind. We actually beat an ACB team that season, Tenerife. Mm-hmm. We beat Mons twice and Freeborg twice. And we only lost to, to, to Dijon. Um, on in overtime at the Aston Villa Sports Centre, and we were second in our group going to the to the next sixteen. But Craig Bowen then paid the bills, so we got thrown out of the competition by FIBA. It's a true story. No one, no one really. I don't know why 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 it's not on the internet. But anyway, um, so, <laughs> the demise of the bullets and. Then there's this kind of void because obviously, Dougie, you're elsewhere and um, Clive, you're starting your coaching kind of business and stuff. And Simon, I know you're doing stuff at that time. Pete, I think you were not involved as much in the game at that time. What 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 kind of ha- happened in that vacuum? Was it the fact that there wasn't a bullets and a focal point in the city, Clive? What do you, what do you think? I think it was. It, it was, you know, it was the bullets or nothing. And and when the bullets left, everybody was waiting, not thinking that you know it, this was going to happen. That it was going to be a you know a void of a, a national league team in in um, the second city. So it was. We all thought it would uh, it'd be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. And then you know losing losing the venue and not having a venue was a you know it started to just escalate all the way down where. There's so many reasons why we could not, you know, why a team couldn't be brought back. Um, knowing that, um, again, trying to get the rights for, for Birmingham Bullets, um, the name and, you know, all, all the little things. There's so many just little things that um, that made it difficult to get a team back. You know, everybody just wanted like, OK, we had this big team, we dropped and all of a sudden, you know, who's going to take up that slack? Who's going to come and, you know, put, pour all but, this money into this team? But 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 forget about the fact that there's no professional team. It, it, it seemed to me, you know, obviously standing from the outside, although I was there a little bit, you know, there was a fragmentation of, you know, of what was going on in the city. And, you know... It, we don't have to, we, we got to be honest. There was a void. This, this is, we're talking about Birmingham here. We're not talking about, no offense. We're not talking about Plymouth um, or, you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Ipswich. Um, we're talking about Birmingham, this powerhouse of, of, of generating NBA level talented players, or at least, you know, guys that went and played in Europe and played professionally. 
and then all of a sudden there's this kind of big gap you know and and it was just hit and miss of where players were coming from am i not am i mistaken in saying that dougie or to well, sorry, Clark? go ahead then Clark. no no for, for me for me it was it was um i was literally out the woods i i had no idea what was going on right in because up in, up in up in Newcastle, you you just away. But I used to hear little snippets. So you'd hear about this player or that player and this, and then all of a sudden you never heard about much that was coming out of Birmingham, and you heard more that was happening with kids down in London, right? From me. So I I I mean, even when I came back to Birmingham, no one knew I was in Birmingham, right? Because I I would I would go home. And I'd, I'd be with my, with my mom and I'd see my sisters and that, and I might go out to the occasional clubs as well. Unless anybody saw me in a club, right, they wouldn't see me. And I would come back and like, there's nowhere to train. I can go back up to Newcastle now and I can be back on the court and I can train two, three hours a day. So for me, it was like I had no idea what was going in, um, in within the city. But what I will say, an experience now, having that professional team there, as a player and being able to go down to Aston Villa Leisure Centre and watch those players train and be around that, right? Even being now in, in places where that's they don't have that, the ability to have that older player, that, that, that superstar, and be able to see them face-to-face and see what they do was massive. Because I used to watch Carl Tatum, right? And I'd be like this, watching Carl Tatum. Like that. Didn't play like that, right? And then to be on the same court of him was like, I, mean, I even had my hair cut the same way at the parting and everything. That's how much of an influence just watching those players are. And I think uh, as soon as Bullets went, I think that would have had something to do. I think at the time I was in Nottingham at the time, I think if I get my, my fingers right, I'd already moved to Nottingham by then. Yeah, that's right, because um, from 2003 to 2011, I was in Nottingham. So it must have been around at that time because I took a Nottingham team over to see him play, Birmingham Bullets play, right? So it would have been over that time. I think when Yorick was, was playing from it at, at that time as well. So, but not having that team there and not having a, a professional or a top left team there as an entity for those kids to watch, it had, had to have had an effect. Most definitely had to have had an effect. So, Simon, do you, do, do, taking that point that Dougie's made there, which is, a, I, I make this point on the podcast all the time about this visual and not yeah. the visual TV and computer. I'm talking about the feel of the players, the listening, the, the you know how the feet are reacting on the. Yeah. Feet. But I'm saying that even from a coaching standpoint, because I can tell yeah. you my experiences um, when I when Kevin Cadle coached for London Towers, I used to sit behind if I wasn't allowed near the bench. I was sit behind in the stands. You know, I used to go to Crystal Palace and sit behind the coaches because I wanted to hear, you know, what they were saying. Do you think that we missed that in 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 some Absolutely. ways, I, and, you know, I, I, I guess I, you know, by osmosis, I, I used to sit at the bench and listen to what people, you know, my dad and other coaches were saying. But I think Dougie's point is exactly right. I think one of the strengths of Birmingham basketball, in my humble opinion, is that it was connected to its community. So, you know, the bullets back in the day um, was very, you know, the, the players that played, we had to, we talk about Butch Hayes, we talk about Dawson, you know, those players that came through, but a lot of Greg White back in the day, but you had fantastic Birmingham talent playing with that. And there was a real connection to them. Those players were also playing local league. And 
I think that the fact that then players saw that and wanted to be part of that and then came through that. So players were being developed. I mean, you know, Steve Hansel's my age and I, you know, sit there, but he, you know, at 16 and he was playing around the senior men, getting beaten up by people like George Branch and so on and so forth. But there was a pathway for him to go into. And those players were then competing for those spots. I think the challenge that, you know, then Bullets uh, went and Harry Rubeski bought them and they we went they went into the, the top league and really competed. And there was a real focal point. And, but there was a real... Harry, you know, I think personally did a really good job in terms of ensuring that that community ethos was kept and, and there was connection there. I think one of the challenges that happened when Bullets left was there wasn't that focal point. There wasn't that opportunity for, for people to be involved and, and almost to come through. And, you know, some of my greatest memories are within that, you know, Astorbid Leisure Centre and going down and watching games and being so close and, and you know, OK, I was five, six, seven, eight or whatever age I was, but you know, those senior players being around and, and and almost that that real sort of tangible, you know, kids that were 13, 14, that were growing up watching basketball could go down and watch these guys play. We didn't have that, Birmingham. We lost that when um, when Bullets left. Okay, Knights came back and Panthers and so on, but there, was, there wasn't the same, um, I guess, they went ingrained within the basketball community. And I think that's what Birmingham have lost. And, and really, you know, if we could get that back, I don't know how we do. I mean, you know, I, it's not really for me to say, but I think what Bullets was a real community basketball club. And I, I suppose I would say that because my dad, but I think that, that, you know, ask these guys who like Clive and Dougie, but I think they, you know, they're local boys that went on to play for their club, but that, they're not the only ones. There was a lot of Birmingham talent. And when people could see that and then coaches could go around and, and be like, you know, Art Ross, I remember him coaching Mike Finger and all that. You know, these guys, it was almost, accepted that you know you were part of the community it wasn't it wasn't an us and them thing it was it was a real togetherness and you know but it, you know, sadly that i think that was lost in the local basketball scene i don't dougie and clive thing but you know no I, I, I think when 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 harry came he came with that charisma he came yeah, uh, yeah. i can remember sit, sitting down and he's saying like um one of the things is that we're going to make you all stars and what we mean by that you're going to be stars within your own community we got to get you out there we want to know what's going on. And he did a lot as, you know, I was like, going, what does he mean by that? He goes, by the time he finishes in his five years, you're going to see people dribbling basketballs around the, you know, around the, the old, you know, Birmingham. Cause we never saw basketball outside of, you know, outside anything. Um, and, and I think that's what he achieved. He got everybody to work together not just for the team, but for, you know, for the community, as he said, which is was so important. Um, he got us out doing camps, you know, you know, he was the first one that really kind of said, you will be going out. We will have sessions. Are you going to learn to go out and, and, and coach? Um, I mean, there's lots of hits and misses, but he, he just said, we need to get it out. You know, yeah. the people, you know, and one of the biggest things that he did for me was that that bloody picture of me. Um, it's a fitter than a speed, you know, speeding bullet uh, driving uh, around Birmingham thing. Oh that my man climbed that in it. <laughs> and, um, but, but that alone, you know, when I used to go into schools now, people knew who I was, even though, you know, I wasn't one of those guys that played on the team. I used to get five minutes there and there, but they knew me more than they knew um, some of the, the, the Americans. And, and that kind of kind of pushed me into that way. And, and when, when we look at that, when Ari left, he took a lot of that charisma with him. Um, there was no like kind of, you know, I know Craig Browns came in and, and tried to like kind of lift it, but he, it wasn't that kind of that community thing, he, you know. Um, 
it was it was about uh, you know it, it almost seemed like it was about making that money it wasn't so much about like kind of okay we've got all these great volunteers and the you know we had some of the best volunteers within the league that was doing things for nothing for the love of the sport and they wasn't recognized by you know by that that, that you know um, the, the the crazy bounds and you know and, and he just you know I, I felt it had gone you know I, I you know as much as um, we had all outs and downs with Harry with little different things. He was always making sure, you know, I, I you know, you, everybody got what they're supposed to get. You know, if if I wasn't, you know, I didn't get as paid as much as the Americans, but you know, um, I could go to, you know, or to McDonald's. They had all different places that we could go get something to eat. We had, you know, there was different places that we could get some clothes. There's, you know, so even though we didn't, you know, we got lots of things in kind where when, when he left, it was just like, oh, well, you know, fend for yourself, do this. You know, I can remember um, the, the, the um, having a game at Aston Villa and Aston Villa were playing, the football team were playing before us and they used the Aston Villa car park as well. And it was like 10 pounds to, to park your car. Um, they went off and then the basketball came and it's usually two pounds to pay. They changed it to ten pounds, and and the, and the, the you know people complaining about little things like that. And I'm like, going, why are they charging people, you know, ten pounds to park in an unsecured car park and all the rest of? It? And it just went downhill from there. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't it wasn't fun. Basketball wasn't fun anymore. And uh, and I think it had a you know you know Craig coming. I'm sorry, um, Harry coming in and doing what he did, and then. You know, it, it, it was a big thing to come in and take over, but it just didn't happen the way that it was supposed to. I'm, I'm conscious of the time. Um, mm -hmm. I will say, you know, trying to get to, to, to spin, not just, sorry, not spinning, um, being in realistic mode. I think there is a renaissance. I think there is a more collectivity, connectivity between all of the groups now. I mean, you're all working in different areas, you know, and in different in different parts. But I, I feel that there definitely is. It's going forward. So, the, the next next question, very quickly, because I want to I want all of you to answer this one. Pete, you can start with this. Um, you you know, I ask this to all of the coaches. Um, it's about um, coach development. It's about coaching fraternity. And you can bring this back to Birmingham if you want, but, um, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, um, first the coach education, you know, even on a national basis, but also in Birmingham itself, and then also as a, a coaching fraternity, is there a coaching fraternity? Are we missing something in this country and also in the city? I've got to tell you, I'm a little disappointed with uh, the, the, the coaching uh, development, for want of a better term, really. Um, <clears throat> I don't think enough resource gets put into it. I don't think there's enough connectivity with it. Um, the, uh, any number of things. Um, and so I don't think coaching is as well off as it could be. There's some really good people uh, working in the clubs uh, that, that, that do it for, for the love by and large, and it's, it's, it's happening. The, there are plenty of kids playing the sport, uh, probably more than there were back in the, the days that we've talked about. Um, and, I, and I think the coaches are getting better, but I, I think it's a real slow process. I think they could be accelerated in the, their education, uh, but I don't think we're as connected as we might be. 
Um, I don't, don't really have a, an answer to say. I think there's one panacea that would do it all. Um, but I, I think there are lots of good efforts going on, moving in, in the right direction. Um, our biggest problem in the city is we don't have a venue that, that can take decent sport, decent high sport. You know, when we had Aston Villa that fitted two and a half thousand quite nice, it was always nice to move into the indoor arena, but we couldn't fill it. You know, it cost like 10 grand to open the doors. Well, you know, that, that's, that's unrealistic for a basketball club to find that unless it's very well resourced. So um, I don't know, to come back to the coaching, um, I think we've got lots of good young coaches around the place at the moment doing a pretty good job. Um, but I think it could be much better if we were better connected. I really do think that. Simon, you've, um, you've, you've, you've gone to the highest levels, you know, you, you've coached, um, national junior teams. Um, you know, you've got now, um, congratulations on your new roles as well, you know, within, you know, wheelchair basketball as well. Um, so you're, you, you, you've, you've, you've moved your coaching on, you know, not just in from, from the city and the region. What, what, do, what do you think about, you know, this, you know, the fraternity of coaches um, and working with each other and um, specifically yeah. also relating to the city? I think a lot of it is, you know, I think you touched on earlier about, you know, slices of luck. I think, you know, it's who you get the opportunity to work with. And I've worked with some Fantastic coach of you. you know, I worked with Dougie on, a, on national teams along with a guy called Nick Adamson. Um, and I think that as you go up and as you create contacts, but I think it's done by almost by, not by chance, that's wrong, but I think it's done by connections. Um, yes, you're on coaching courses and I've, uh, you know, I've done, in fact, Nick, Nick Norse nursed him at level three all those years ago. And you, know, you sort of make connections on that with Kirsty Xavier, for example. Um, and then, you know, you, you end up coaching teams or coaching the national programmes. And, you know, one of the things I was very keen to do was sort of develop a network of coaches, network of scouts. You know, I, I can't go around the country uh, watching players. And, you know, I used to phone coaches up on a Monday and Tuesday. They'll probably tell me about Lloyd Gardner and Joe Forber and, you know, ask them, how, how did going go this weekend? And I saw, you know, I saw the result, but, you know, go away and they'll tell me about their players. And then I'd say, well, OK, well, who else impressed you from the opposition? Um, and, and almost you you develop your contacts that way and you learn from those people and beat around it. So I think almost not, not despite the system, I think, you know, there was coach education going on, but it's not as structured as potentially it could be, you know, mentoring, I think is something we don't do mm -hmm. particularly well within our sport um, and learning from, you know, people that have been there and done it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm relatively, relatively um, young, I suppose, but I think that, you know, certainly when I was doing national teams, I was, but, you know, you can learn from people, you know, learn from the Rawdidge has been a great mentor for me and, um, you know, been around him and, and learning Hump Long, God rest his soul, you know, the things I worked, learned off him and Chris Morgan, who, who coached at East London. You know, I was fortunate to be around, but then you sort of could maintain that connection. I think, you know, the the national, well, not national teams, but, you know, we had the British Coaches Association that, and, kind of was there and is not there and I know they're trying to get it back up and running again but just somewhere for coaches to share advice and guidance and just talking you know ask people about their advice uh, you know their experiences I don't think we do that enough and I don't think we we you know I think we, we almost try and reinvent the wheel when we don't need to I think and I think that we, as coaches it's about giving it's about sharing you know and now I'm across in the wheelchair and I'm working in wheelchair and you know we have a uh, you know, 
trying to work across and, and, and just, it's not about, you know, me knowing everything. I don't know everything. Do I know a little bit potentially about so that other person can, that other person can. And I think, what's it about? It's about making and helping athletes be better. Yeah. And I think if we could do that, then I think that's what we need to do. But it's almost, you know, yes, we're all competitive, right? So we go out on a Saturday and we want to win and we want the players to be as best they can be. But do I suppose something I learned from my dad, you know, and Doug touched it, do it with dignity. So do it to the best, you know, but at the end, shake hands and, and share those, yeah, share those nuggets. I'm really, really impressed. What have you done that? And I think that's, that, that, that for me, that it's always been about. And um, when I coach national teams, you know, I've got contacts now of, of, of coaches, of Belgian coaches and that I've coached against just because, but that's not, that's things you do yourself. It's not done by the association and so on. I think that's something we could do better in terms of that, almost the coaching network, but uh, mentors, whether that's official or unofficial, but just people to bounce ideas off. And I think that's, for me, that'd be something we could do that would make a tangible benefit. Dougie, I mean, um, you know, just specifically to you, you know, the, you, you're you one of the coaches that I know. Um, I know because you call me um, and message me. And um, when you're trying to gain information, you're, you contact various coaches. You think that that's ha that happens with the younger coach at this in this day and age? Or do you think that's something missing because maybe they've got so much resource online? I, I think that um, most of what they do is they stick within their own, uh, what I find is that you find that those, the younger coaches stick within what, what they know in their kind of era, because like, we're, we're kind of like out, out there a little bit, like we're so far removed that they, they it's what, what is like, I suppose it's like a generation Y or a generation X that they understand YouTube, they understand the other stuff they can get via that. For me, it's always been, I've been lucky that I've met, you know, I've met Laszlo with the NBA Mad Skills. I met you, um, Tim, Tim Lewis, um, you know, Tony Hansen, all those players who, who, who've got a wealth of knowledge and they were always there at the end of the phone if I ever wanted to call them advice. And basketball camps, the basketball camps we did when I was younger, you know, everybody talks about like how they went and how they did those. My basketball journey is through basketball camps that's how I learn and I think that what the will get getting people talking that network of coaches talking those conversations to three four five o'clock in the morning were invaluable for me but then the problem then has is like you're saying is that when I then went back up to Newcastle it's like okay so what happens next where's do I get information so you I literally spent I'm sure this must be the same for most people that I actually spent um, another 11 months, you know, higgledy-piggling your way through it, and then you come back to camp again, right? And then you get another load of information, and you, you go away again and try and work things out. So the time that we spent in, in, in the Europeans, right, was as an eye-opener for me, because like I said, I, I'm quite visual, right? So if you if you show me something, I'll figure it out. If you tell me something, I, I, can, I can more or less figure it out. And I think that as a, as a fraternity, as a basketball fraternity, I think one of the main things we have to understand that there, there is a generational gap and some of the information that you require um, and that someone can make sense of for you is actually here in, in, in Great Britain. You don't need to go uh, abroad because some, the, the, um, some of the experiences of, of the coaches of our generation and the book, because I, I, no, I have no idea what, what Pete's, I know Pete's extremely 
knowledgeable manly map times we used to watch them pontel videos pete right you know we had no idea what those were and i learned we learned so much off that but that even to like um, pick your brain or you know they used to do this and that day they used to do this and this day and okay how can that fit into this that conversation i think is 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 really is, is, it's not pieced together i think well, if we could if we could do that that'd be great just just to make that point um actually this is gonna you know air after mick uh, my my podcast with mick bet but we were discussing this the other day um first of all there are no secrets in basketball you know mm. especially in this day and age with what the technology but secondly um as i keep telling everyone you yeah the game is evolved in such a way and there's definitely you know the style of play you know pace and space is 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 incredible and we we know that that's different but if you go and watch EuroLeague, if you go and watch the NBA, they're still running flex actions. They're still running zipper cuts to get into some sort of ball screen action. There's all kinds of shuffle stagger is still in there somewhere along the lines. Maybe they space it differently, but all these actions that were 30 years old are still in the game. So it's not like, you know, it is, everyone tells us, oh, the game's completely different. No, it's not completely different. You still got to be able to set a screen at the right angle with the right timing and be able to read the screen and react and, you know, all of the other stuff. You've got to be able to get open, which a lot of our young players don't do in this day and age. Clive, Clive. Yeah. It is. I'm conscious um, of time here as well. It's all about, you look at players now and it's all about the skill level, not the knowledge. They, they, they all want to know, they all want to know the odd move. They all want to know, you know, the Kevin Durant move, right? But I'm like going, you know how he got to that? You know how he got that done? Do you understand? Do you understand the game itself? Why are you shooting a three-point shot when you could have, you know, gone to the basket and got a foul. You know, and, and I just think it's all skill level and not develop, you know, that they don't understand the game and it's, it should be the yeah, other yeah, way. Sorry. I got a session, I was on a session, uh, community, you know, I run that community sessions and I see these kids being launching them three pointers, right? And I, it, it drives me nuts. So we have a rule now, right? If you have a rule, if you play and you shoot a three pointer and it airballs, or it hits a brick, right? The team's off, gone. That's it, wow. right? And you still, you still see the kids shoot <laughs> it. They don't and they understand look at each other. No, they look at the time like, oh, you know, oh, I should have made that. I love this. The biggest. The biggest problem of all is that, and I, I, this, I'm changing completely a subject, is that, you know, I'm doing, I'm starting to look at this, this super high level analytics and, you know, some of, you know, the analytics tell you, you know, come down and take these pull up freeze, you know, they're like, you know, Utah changed their whole philosophy this year you know, based on some of these super high level analytic people saying, yeah, actually, you know, the transition two on one, it would have been better. He pulled up and the other guys crashing the boards and maybe able to get a tip out. If it's a miss, you know, three is better than two, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. Anyway, we're Clive, let's just quickly, quickly just finish this one off this subject. Um, Birmingham coaching, um, and you, you know, you, you've been there. Obviously, Pete has been as well. Um, enough sharing, enough like talking to each other, enough like um, you know, explaining some of the things that you're doing on the floor or the drills. Is there? Is that? Is that happening? Should there be more coaches meetings? I, I, I think there is. I mean, I, 
I talk to people, you know, you know, you know, we'll sit and talk to, to P. Um, Doug is forever sending me information and he's so I'm serious. He's like, I've got, you know, he'll sell me, you know, this is how Australia do it. This is how, and it's a big, you know, I'm like, that. wow. <laughs> and the thing is, he, he reads it all too. I'm like, how the hell does Doug get it? <laughs> and it's all great stuff. And, you know, and yeah. whatever, if Doug has something that's working, Doug is the first one to come, you know, call me up, guy, you need to have a look at this, you need to see this. You know, and, that's and, your generation, though, Clive. That's that's, yeah, that's, that's someone that's, who grew that's up. True. So, that's, so is true. one of the younger coaches, you know, from, from an argument's sake, they're from Pete's club. They're frightened because they think, well, if I tell him this, he'll come and use it against me. Am I going? Into As you said, mm -hmm. there's no, there's no, there's no like kind of magic dust that you know that they can sprinkle on basketball. Is the same, you know, he's got a ball to hoops. It's now down to you or your knowledge of the coach and how you play the game. You know, I'll, I'll run, I'll tell you what play. I mean, Tony Dorsey used to do this to us all the time. Tony used to say, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. You do not stop me. You know, stop it. Yeah. Stop it. I'm going to spin. I'm going to fake it twice. And, uh, you know, he'd tell us. And, and he used to score on it. Like, Damn. And that showed us, like, it's not about, you know, it's not about, oh, well, I'm not going to show somebody what, you know, what we're doing. You know, I, I played Dougie when we played down in Dudley uh, and we ran a play and Dougie goes, yo, you killed us with that play. You better show my yo, I'll show you that play. I'm no <laughs> Remember, he's like, how are you yeah. just killing them? You know, and um, I'm like, I want to show them. You know, I want to, you know, if someone wants something that I'm using, it makes me feel good. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think a lot of, you know, a lot of youngsters now or people coming up think it's mine. I can't show it. I don't want no one to know it. I wish I could, you know, if someone puts it on Facebook, they want to delete it off there so no one else can see it. That kind of mentality, like, it's not that that wins it. It's your knowledge of the game. It's your understanding of the game. Okay. Rapid rapid fire. Very rapid fire. So you got to do this as, as quickly as possible. Clive, um, favorite basketball drill that, you, that either you have run or you run all the time? I got this off Pete, and he loves it, and he's got to be eleven man fast break. I, you know, I just think you get so much stuff out of it because I remember Pete saying, "Smart best, I love eleven man fast break." So yeah, eleven man fast break for me. Pete, can't go, can't repeat that, can I? Uh, <laughs> it's gonna, it's, Sorry, Pete. No, no worries. Uh, it's fluffy donkeys. Fluffy donkeys. Fluffy donkeys used to be called, and I might have got this from you, Tony. Uh, used to be called Headhunter, uh, but whilst coaching at uh, Wolverhampton female team, they wouldn't go with Headhunter. They wanted to change the name, and so it got to Fluffy Donkeys. Quite simply, it's full court, one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, whatever uh, okay, you, yeah, whatever you yeah. call, and uh, it's, a, it's a real good real good mix of uh, whatever you want to put into it. Uh, you, you choose your own emphases, of course. Uh, so I'll, I'll stick with fluffy donkeys if that's all right. Simon, um, probably cutthroat. So cutthroat three on three, four on four. But effectively, whatever you know, you work on that. Whether it's pick and roll or whatever, if the or a defensive emphasis. If they're not doing it, get off. Get the next team on. Um, so it's uh, quite a cutthroat drill in that sense. But it makes people. Uh, perform so the you know the outcome isn't necessarily where people score or whatever it's about whether you you know emphasizing the stuff that's a duel because it's the emphasis that could change any session so how, how, right is th how is that not in our syllabus by the way how, how is that as a teaching tool not in our syllabus i don't understand that dougie you took the words out of my mouth cut from yeah. 
Yeah, when, when, Mark, when Mark Dunning showed me that, I was like, I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold. I use it at every level and I use it with the, with the kiddies. I use it with, with the pros. It, it just, for me, it just absolutely works. That and uh, another drill I used to run called uh, recognition, where you have the uh, five on the baseline and five on the free fall line, and you have to touch the baseline and then go that one and then change it a lot. I, I, those, those two drills I love. But cutthroat, number one, I had it written down when you, when you sent the thing through. Straight thing came down, cutthroat. That's it. We use it just wrote, we use that in the wheelchair yeah. game as well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank it's Mark Dunning. Awesome. God bless you, mate. I love that drill. Okay. Uh, Clive, favorite all time basketball coach? Gotta be Nick. Gotta be Nick Nurse. <laughs> you don't have to say people like Greg Popovich when you got when you be coached by Nick Nurse. That's, that's no, no. Nick, Nick, I mean, uh, yeah. As I said, he made basketball fun. Um, he's the, he's one of the coaches, you know, that um, actually trying to get me to shoot the ball where everybody else rebounded, rebound. Get, you know, he's like, and hey, you will shoot the ball, you, you know, and then we practice so many times of shooting, shooting and shooting. So, Dougie? Um, what, played under or just in general? No, in general. Can be anyone. Um, uh, played under Tony Hansen. Because he was what you say is a play coach. He used to say like, um, my ne- they told they told me you could play. They told me you could shoot. They told me. so he used to really fire up to to play that way. But from from a from a, a distance watching, Ettore Messina, love him. I watch his stuff. What every chance I get, yeah, love him. Okay, Simon. Yeah, I, I guess my idol and my coach and my dad. So you know, um, still is and always will be my my dad. I guess. That's awesome. Pete? I don't know that I've got one favourite, to be truthful. I've taken stuff from all over the place. I quite like what uh, Patino does and, and the way he approaches that, but some of his, his, uh, his products in uh, Donovan, you know, I, I quite like what he does as well. So awesome. uh, there's a whole range of them. And, and these days you've got uh, that breed of uh, your Steve Kerrs and your uh, Brad Stevens. Uh the, the, the modern thinking coaches and uh, I like their approach as well. So I can't go for one really. I, I just like to have a spread of them as I've always been doing anyway. Um, Simon, the your go-to or uh, favourite saying that the players hear weekly? <laughs> I, I, well, I'll go to the one I, I use now with the, the GB Winston. I don't know where I heard it. I think it was probably driving home on a radio talk show or whatever, but uh, don't let great get in the way of good. Uh, and we use that to too many times players turn down shots thinking they're going to get a better shot. And actually, you know, by doing that, you know, you're avoiding the good shots or the good decisions. So yeah, don't let great get in the way of good. Clive. Uh, there's, there's two that I use. I mean, one I got off X um, and it was each one, teach one. Teach one. Um, and, and I, you know, I use it a lot in the, um, Dean, Dean Blake has taken it, and I'm like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> no. um, but I always mine now is you know, um, the mistakes are mine, you know. And I tell the kids, you know, um, I'm I'm the one that's coaching you, so if you get it wrong, it's my fault, just keep playing. So the mistakes are mine, but once you get it done, the mistakes are yours, you know. So you own them after you know, once uh, I show you what to do and you've done it in the game. Ah, you can't blame me anymore. <laughs> That's awesome, Clive. Love that. Uh, Pete? It's a, it's a real simple one. Uh, I'm into the questions these days, so it's quite simply, what do you think? 
Question of style, uh, Dougie. Well, I, I get a lot of kids saying to me they want, they want, I'd like, I'd like to do, I'd like to achieve this. So a lot of the times it, it doesn't actually work out for them. So what, my one that I use quite a bit, right, is if your work ethic doesn't match your ambition or your goal, either change your ambition or your goal or change your work ethic because the two can't be one oversee the other, right? So that's the one that I like to use. Okay, awesome. Um, guys, um, listen, we could go on for hours and hours and hours and we haven't really even touched, you know, about, you know, what do you guys do on a daily basis? That, that, that does frustrate me a little bit and stuff. But I think that, um, I mean, and we also, we, we do respect the fact that there are so many other good coaches that we could have um, invited on. Um, but, you know, you've given us like the essence of, you know, what has happened in Birmingham and um, what continuously can happen in Birmingham. I think it's a great basketball city. I know that all of you guys are going to continue to, to drive and, you know, get better as coaches and also grow the game. And, and I appreciate you, you know, coming on um, today, stroke tonight, um, you know, for giving up your time because it, it really, I feel this is going to be a great, uh, a great listen to, to, to a lot of people. So I just want to thank you um, from, from, from time out. No, man. You, you. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Tony. Thanks, Tony, and good to see you all. Thanks for listening to another episode of Time Out. You can now find all of our episodes on iTunes and Spotify, so please like, subscribe, and let us know who you'd like to hear from in a future episode. <laughs>